0: Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 8? And we'll be reading from God's word, verses 4 through 15 from Luke chapter 8. And as you're opening your Bibles, or if you have a cell phone, you're allowed to use them for the Bible app, and that only, okay? We're watching you. I don't know who, but somebody's watching you. As you do that, let's pray together. Lord God, Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, Savior, Redeemer, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts now. You have given us freedom. Lord Jesus, others have come to destroy, to steal, to take away. You've come to give us life and abundantly. So, Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts, open them up so we hear you today. In Jesus' name, we ask this for your honor and glory so that life abundant may be experienced by all here and many others that we meet throughout our lives this week. Amen. Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 4 through verse 15. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on a rock. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell in the good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and when the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but They have no root. They believe for a while, but in times of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. May God add his blessing to his word this morning, for this is God speaking to us. This parable of Jesus, the parable of the sower, probably better to be called the parable of the sawyers, is written in all three Gospels, which tells me the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It tells me that God wants us to hear this, uh, to know it. Uh, Whenever there's a gathering like this, Four soils, four kind of hearts are represented here this morning. So the question is, is my heart the fruitful heart or the heart that doesn't produce anything? One of my long, distant mentors, long ago dead, J.C. Ryle, wrote this. These circumstances should make us always read this parable with a deep sense of importance. We should say to ourselves as we read it, this concerns me. My heart is seen in this parable. I too am here. So this morning, I'm asking me this question again as much as you. Which heart, which soil am I? And don't blow by it. Don't think For sure, you have the answer down. Rethink it. Last week, uh, we've been talking about values, and, and Grace Chapel, one of our values we've expressed as a congregation is that we are a congregation that believes we should be Bible-centered, that God's Word has a central part in our understanding and our salvation in our growing in the faith and who we are, and, and it directs what we do. And today, I'd like to build on that idea. Last week, we looked at 2 Peter chapter 1, that we talked about being rooted in God's Word that it would change us, that it would touch not only our minds with knowledge, but then our hearts, which feeds out to our hands and feet so that we live what we say we believe. What we teach becomes part of our living. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus spoke these words, or nearly 2,000 years ago, an eternal life, and eternal suffering, and God's wrath is weighing into Balance. Jesus said in John, John's gospel, I tell you the truth. I don't always speak the truth, but Jesus always does. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So if you crossed over, and how do you know if you've crossed over or not? Well, these words help us this morning. So let's take a look. Four soils, four hearts. In Luke's Gospel chapter chapter 8, I picked up at verse 4. But the key verse in this first section was the end of our reading today. But the seed in good soil stands for those who have, with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Observation, who here has a good and noble heart? I know myself too well to say I do. No one has a good and noble heart. As a matter of fact, the prophet Jeremiah wrote that God spoke through him to us. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Paul in Romans chapter 3 tells us that there's no one righteous. He takes a a bunch of verses from the Old Testament and puts them together and he says, As it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. In many Romans, Galatians, the letter to the Galatians, Paul writes, a man is not justified by keeping the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. If righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So there's just this indictment. I just wanted to remind us of that in case we forgot it, that there's none of us with a good and noble heart. And it doesn't come by doing, but it comes by faith, by believing, so that the good works that I do are just a sign of, if I'm not a believer in God at all, but I still do kind things, and there's a lot of people I've met who are really kind, who really don't care about God or Christ or salvation or think they have that need, yet that's a sign of God's grace and goodness, that they were made in God's image, and they're reflecting in some part that image. That's amazing to think about. But what's wonderful about it is that God, God is willing to give me a clean heart a noble and good heart it's received by believing we could talk about it all morning I don't want to spend too much time here but yet it's so important I can't pass it by in John's gospel chapter 1 we read this he came to that which was his own the Jewish people, but they did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human descent or a husband's will, but born of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on to say in John 17 and 18 that those who believe are not condemned. And those who do not believe that Jesus is the Christ are condemned already because they haven't believed God's testimony. That's serious business. It's an amazing thing, though, that God wants us to have new hearts, noble hearts, good hearts. Again, to the book of Romans chapter 10. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, say it. Wow. You know, it's really easy to say it here. I'm not ashamed of the gospel when I'm at Grace Chapel. How do you feel about that when you're outside these walls? I am not ashamed of the gospel because if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart, there's that heart thing again, that God has raised him from the dead, what's it say? That you're justified, that you're declared righteous With your mouth, you confess you're saved. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's this wonderful invitation. This morning, God is inviting you to believe in him if you've never done that. A new heart can receive the word of God. And that's why Paul prayed to the Ephesian believers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. That prayer is not in vain, because those who have a new heart given to them by God can begin to understand the great and glorious things of the kingdom that are awaiting us and that we can begin to bring into our world now. God is willing to give us a new heart. But let's go back to Luke chapter 8 and think about the tyranny of the urgent. In verse 11 it reads, when Jesus was interpreting or explaining the parable, he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Here it is. And those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Good shepherd and then other shepherds. Jesus is the good shepherd, the devil, and those who would follow his ways, and some of them don't even know they're following him. They're thieves, they're liars, and the devil's a murderer. He snatches the word away. He would point us away from the truth before it can take root. He blinds us. He deceives. He twists God's truth. He's a counterfeiter. He makes it almost look like the real deal. It's so close you can hardly tell. He works with hearts that are already dead and he keeps them dead. And that's who we were, right? Dead in our trespasses and sins. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So beware of the devil, because he wants to take away. So be careful who you're listening to, because they're trying to rob you of everlasting life. Jesus is the good shepherd who speaks the truth, who brings life, not death. Then there's the rocky soil. Verse 13, those On the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. We're pretty certain that the first person, the heart that's represented by the path, the seed of the word gets snatched away, they've never believed. The rest of these, there might be a little bit of a question. Beware of temporary impressions. Were you ever in a crowd and everybody was excited and you just started to get excited because everybody else was excited? Go to a concert, rock concert, or whatever kind of concert you go to and everybody's all, you know, me, now I'm just standing in the back, maybe nodding my head, I'm not very excited. That's Matt Meter, sorry about that. Yeah. I'm excited because my family wants me to or because my friends are excited about it. So to be part of that group, I'm excited about the things of God. But like the crowds that followed Jesus but never truly believed when trouble came, when things changed, when Jesus didn't become everything they had imagined the Messiah to be, they said, praise him, Hosanna. On one Sunday and a few days later, they were yelling, crucify him. And that's what happens when it's an emotional thing, when we're just hearing, we kind of believe it, we're going with it. But when trouble comes, we fall away. Real faith? Jesus doesn't care to answer that question directly, but I think the point is verse 15. They hear the word. They retain the word, and then they persevere, and they produce. And if there's no production, then was it ever really believing? Then there's a seed that falls among the weeds. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature, but the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. So beware of the devil. But it's not just the devil I need to be aware of. I need to be aware of temporary impressions and just getting excited in my own heart because it's like what everybody's excited about. It's what's on social media. It's what's on television. It's what I'm being told in the circles that I'm going in, but it's not really mine. And beware of worldly cares because they choke out the spirit of God. Are these people saved? They started to grow, but then it got choked out. God knows the answer to that. But real faith, real believing produces over time. The tyranny of the urgent. (sighs) Do I really believe the kingdom that's coming is so grand that it's worth dying for? I had the privilege of going to a district meeting because of my ordination through the Evangelical Free Church, our eastern district, and there were some Indian believers from India there, and they asked us to pray for a girl, a lady who was about to be killed for her faith. It suddenly became real. Here we are sitting in this, like, nice church, just sang nice worship songs. I heard some great challenging messages, and then but the reality of true belief. It's so easy to believe here this morning, isn't it? She believed it enough to be imprisoned for years and never go back on her confession of belief. Amazing. It's not just the devil that distracts. Don't give him too much credit. He gets some credit. But our hearts are hard. We're careless with the word. We hear it and we ignore Jesus' words. We throw it off till later. Beware that your heart's not deceiving yourself of who you really are. Don't just blow by. Don't be a pretender. Can I just say this as well? Being a church person that's been in church all my life pretty much, And called into ministry. It's so easy to be a Pharisee. It's so easy to put on appearances. Because you get paid to put on appearances. You don't want to embarrass yourself. You don't want to lose your paycheck. You don't don't want to disappoint people. But it really comes down to the heart. Don't follow Jesus to keep people happy. Get a view of the kingdom. Do you really believe it's worth dying for? The good and noble heart, it's rooted in God's truth. It hears it. It grows. It's transforming power. It grows. It matures. The seed grows. It produces because it's endured. So just beware of fruitless religion. True faith is more than a one-time event. It's more than walking that aisle. It's more than saying a prayer. Those might be great first steps, but it's so much more than that. It's an ongoing thing. And belief doesn't get erased by one act of disobedience. I mean, think about Peter's denial and and David's adultery and other sins, his pride, and and there's all kinds of examples in Scripture. And, And think of Judas, the betrayer. Well, you realize that betrayal was maybe the culminating act of unbelief, but there were a lot of small actions that led up to the big one of unbelief along the way. It wasn't just a one-time event. So real faith happens through a series of moments in life. I've talked about her before, Grandma Gracie. You were never allowed to leave her house hungry. I love going to Grandma's house because it meant cousin fun if my cousins were there. It, was, it meant good food. Her yeast rolls were huge, these yeast rolls, they were just so good. The conversation she had with me about Billy Graham and the effect his book, World of Flame, had on her life, and I know if she told me, and I can't remember if I was a young teenager, an old teenager, or maybe in college by then, but if she told me, I know she was telling my other cousins who were not believers, who didn't have a good upbringing in a good teaching church, but I know she was telling them too. So here are my impressions of Grandma Gracie. When you were in her home, you felt loved. She served others. She was hospital. She never got a call to go to the mission field. She never taught a Sunday school class. But her faith took hold of her, and she obeyed her call to live her life for him and for others. And it had impact. It left a legacy. Her legacy is a series of daily actions and words that, portrayed, that showed off her heart. It was a portrait of who she was in her heart and her love for God. And that's all Jesus is asking us to do, to believe his word and let it take root in our lives and change how and what we do. Rooted, believe, respond, retain, meditate on it, grow in it, persevere. Faith holds on and it overcomes the world because of its faith in Christ. I want to move on. Look at verse 16. We didn't read this, so let me read it now. No one lights a lamp and holds it up to a jar, or puts it in a jar, or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or thought out, or brought out into the open. therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. Key verse in the first section was verse 15. Key verse here is verse 18. Consider carefully how you listen. Consider yourself. Repeated idea. I remember putting fresh batteries in a flashlight because we were going camping. And I put it in the pocket in the back seat of our car, and then we packed the car full, And it so happened that those luggage or whatever was packed in there pressed against that pocket in the back seat and pushed the button on the flashlight. And yeah, you get it. By the time we got there to set up and you wanted a flashlight, the flashlight had been on the whole day. It was gone. What a waste of light, right? What a waste of batteries. So God's given us light today. What are you doing with the light? Are you hiding it? Not letting it touch your heart? Wasting the energy of the spirit of God that's here, the grace of God? What am I doing with the light? Do you get motivated by guilt? (laughs) Turn back a couple pages in your Bible and let me just read a few verses from Luke 6. But I tell you who hear me, this is Jesus, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the one cheek, turn him to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him, stop him from taking it. Give him your tunic, give it to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. How are we doing? Well, we fail. We fail continually. Our hearts are hard. What kind of a listener am I really? I love what, what Matthew does with that. You know, Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I tell you. You know, the world says do it this way, but here's what I tell you. So how are we doing? How's the truth of God making a difference in my life? if everything that I've done this week, secret and in public, is going to be exposed to God's light, like x-ray, or CAT scan, you're going to see everything. Change the way you think about confessing and repenting? Why not bring it out into public now, before Jesus does, later? Admitting that you can't change by yourself, admitting that there's some things in my life I don't want to change. I like the way I am. How about confronting the issues of, you know, some of you people have such good skills negotiating with your words. And that's a really good gift. But you can use that to keep power. Kind of Get people to think your way. And others of us who don't use words, well, then you can use anger to kind of like bully people. Like if you don't do what I want, well, I'm going to get mad. and You know what that's going to look like. So people get in line. The gossip you pass along, just little tidbits, just so others look a little lower, so you look a little higher. You talk about others to others instead of talking to God about them or going to them and helping them grow and mature in their faith. The truth is, my heart, your heart, well, maybe I shouldn't throw you in, but it's harder than I want to admit. I'm kind of deaf when it comes to certain subjects in my life. What area of my life am I listening only to my voice? Because I don't want God to touch it. So consider yourself when you think about the lamp and the light of God's word and how it's affecting you. And then consider others because God's light, his truth, isn't given to you and me to keep to ourselves. Because people are blind and they're in the dark and they don't even know that their self-improvement plan is going to fall short of the holiness they need to meet God. No one is rescued from sin's destructive path without the involvement of someone who was saved from that path first. Grade the brightness of your life and how much Jesus Christ is seen in what you do and say. Think about the cross that he's asking you to pick up. Think about the seed that needs to fall into the ground and die to self. Have you ever wished that you could be in the book of Acts and experience the life of the early church? You know, they were just growing like Peter preaches and 3,000 people get saved. How many, well, you don't have to raise your hand. But sometimes we forget about the imprisonment that happened about the stoning, about the scattering, about Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the church that were struck down publicly in front of everyone and God was moving and we forget. Would you dare pray for God to begin to do that again among his people so that the world could hear the gospel of Christ? Would you dare to be so bold to ask God to do that to go beyond what we could think of or imagine. We're so small, we just want Grace Chapel to be healthy again and effective again. And God's saying, no, I want more than that. I want my kingdom to be known in all of Delaware County. I want people to be saved in all of the greater Philadelphia area. What are we going to be doing? How are we going to pray so that that begins to happen? Jesus is inviting us to be a part of something so much bigger than my little world. And if you're not listening to Jesus this morning, if you're kind of blowing off his word, do you realize what you're turning your back on? The call of God in eternity... Are we listening? And will we pray? Mallory's over there. Yeah. Prayer walk next Sunday. Come join me. Start to pray for our neighborhood. Meet somebody on the street. Say, hey, we're praying. Would you like us to pray for you? Anything? Some people go, what? Somebody might stop. Might begin building a relationship with that street guy that walks around looks a little rough. How about the prayer time in November 17th? How about starting right here after the service? Praying for that hard heart that needs to be softened. Let's move on. Luke chapter 8, just verse... 19, now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Three times in 18 verses, are you listening to my word? Is your heart really receiving my word? Is your heart good soil? Is your lamp, are you carefully listening? Are you getting God's light and hiding it, putting it, not using it, just putting it aside? My mother and brothers, my family are those who hear God's word and hear what I say and put it into practice. You know, hearing is a great first step. It's not enough. Jesus isn't saying don't care about mom and dad or your brothers and sisters. He's just saying love God more. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus put it this way. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Well, there it is again. Hearing and doing. James tells us it's like looking in a mirror, God's word. And if you go look in a mirror and yeah, how do I look? It was okay a few hours ago. If it's a mess and you say, oh, well, and you walk away, then why did you bother looking in the mirror? You hear God's word and you say, I'm a mess, but then you don't respond to it. You don't take it. You don't receive it. You don't ask him to begin to change the things you don't want to change. Would you dare admit to God this morning that you really don't want to change this one part of your life? And say, Lord, I need help. Would you dare share that with someone you trust in this congregation and your small group of friend, a Christian friend, and say, I am struggling with looking at things I shouldn't look at on the Internet. Help me. Would you dare do that? Or thinking or saying things or not believing and trusting whatever it is. Don't just listen to this word and say, well, maybe later, do it now. Obedience is so hard. Let me read John Piper. I've got a couple minutes. For many of you right now, when faith, or excuse me, when obedience feels impossible, for many of you right now, for others of you, the time is coming that obedience feels like it's going to be the end of a dream. You feel that if you do what the word of God or the spirit of God is calling you to do, it will make you miserable, that there is no way that God would turn it all for good. Perhaps a command or call of God you hear is just to stay married or to stay single or to stay in that job or leave that job or to get baptized or to speak a word about Christ at work, to refuse to compromise your standards of honesty, to confront a person in sin, to venture a new vocation, to be a missionary. As you see it in your limited mind, the prospect of doing this is terrible. It looks like the loss of Isaac, the only son who can be an heir. Do you know that story when, when the promised son came, Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah? Abraham was 100, Sarah was 90, they had a son, finally, the promised one that God said was coming. It was amazing, there was joy, they were jumping up and down, and then a few years later, several years later, God says, you know, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. What? The promised one, the one that brought us joy, you want us to give to you, to surrender him, and it says Abraham Heard that word, and he wrestled with it overnight, I think, but, you know, he chopped the wood. He loaded up the donkey. He got the fire because he believed God could raise him from the dead. So when obedience looks like it's impossible, that it's the wrong choice, God's asking us, will you trust me? Will you listen to my word because I'm worthy to be trusted? How do you keep God's priorities your priorities? His values, your values. His kingdom values, my kingdom values. Spend time with him. Aren't you embarrassed that we have to have people come here and remind us that we're supposed to love our neighbor? to be plugged into our community, to be rubbing shoulders with unbelievers, that maybe the people we ought to hang out with are a few of our believing friends, but a lot of lost people too. Why is that such a new thought when that's what Jesus told us to do? We need to have people come and coach us. It's like, when did we lose this? How could we forget It's not because it's not in here. It's because we're not hearing it. Our hearts are harder than we think. Jesus was in the garden praying to his fathers. His disciples had been arguing about who was the greatest. And when they finally got together and prayed in unity, then the power of God came and amazing things happened. It's really no different for us. So let me ask again, has God's word taken root in your life? Because Jesus said, when his word gets into my heart, and it gets planted and it grows. It produces God-glorifying actions. So scatter the word. Plant the seed. And there are going to be people who could care less. And there are going to be many who will believe because John said so in Revelation 7:9. And therefore before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Just shrink it down. People from every block. And neighborhood in Havertown. Philadelphia. Your town. Can God just start there? Scatter the word. Youth group, you know what to do with this. Harris, thank you. This is his thing, not mine. What's your takeaway today? (laughs) What did God say to you today? Not through my sermon necessarily, but through the music, through something you heard in Bible study earlier today, through a conversation. What's your takeaway today? What was God telling you today? What are you going to do with what God spoke to you about? Maybe if God didn't smooth your heart at all, maybe that's something God's trying to catch your attention with. Uh, you're not listening or you're not hearing anything, so you need to think about why you're not hearing anything. Would you right now take a moment in quietness and think about what God said to you today? And then I dare you, I'm not going to make you, that's next week. Share with a friend what God said to you today. Tell somebody you trust what God's saying to you, what you're wrestling with, struggling with, or having victory with. Let's do that for a moment, and then we'll close. Lord God, I pray that no one would leave here today without taking something away from your truth, your word, that you would be challenging them in their soul with things you want them to know and understand and be blessed with, to find life, to renew their life, to be restored back to a close walk with you. Do your work in us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. or service